Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to another episode of the Sixer Sense Podcast. I'm Lucas Johnson, co-site expert of the Sixer Sense, and here with my co-host, co-site expert of the Sixer Sense, Christopher Klein. How are we doing this afternoon, Chris? I'm doing well, Lucas. How are you? I'm doing great. I got just got home substituted not too long ago. I'm sure you've had a busy day as well, but the Sixers just completed their third game of the season. The NBA season's been about a week full, uh, you know, into it now. It's a lot of exciting things going on. We're going to talk Sixers. We're going to talk general NBA stuff. We're going to have a lot of fun today. Yeah, I'm really excited for this pod. Um, there's obviously a lot happening. It's a pretty exciting season so far. It's set up to continue that way. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hyped. So what we're going to do for, first, folks, is that we're going to kind of just not really recap, but kind of just a couple takeaways. We got them from the first couple games. And then, you know, what we're going to see in the next matchup against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Really exciting matchup because both teams, I believe, are 3-0 and right now. Uh, so that's going to be a fun matchup for sure. And then we also, after that, we're just going to talk about a few things that kind of surprised us in the NBA in general or like good, you know, kind of like things that stuck out to us. So, Chris, I'm going to go ahead and ask you first, what is what are like three big takeaways that you've gotten from the Sixers thus far this season? Well, I, I think just in terms of broad strokes, the defense has been a big one. Obviously, that's something we all expected, but it, it, it has thoroughly lived up to my expectations, at least. Al looks like he's still a really solid lockdown defender at the four. Joe mm-hmm. has been great in the two games he's played. Richardson is living up to the hype on the perimeter. Ben's doing what he's doing. I think Tobias looks a lot better than I expected in comparison to last year. And, of course, Matisse has been an absolute stud off the bench. So I do Holy think great. just have a really... Really solid chance of having the top defense in the NBA this season. You know, Matisse, just going on to the next one, Matisse looks like a legit stud. Mm -hmm. Um, It's obviously very early. Too early to make grand proclamations, probably. But he looks legit. He's pretty clearly the sixth guy on this team already. He's the first guy off the bench pretty consistently. He's the guy Brett's giving the most minutes off the bench. And given Brett's tendency in the past to shy away from younger players, and given the fact that the Sixers are trying to win a championship this year, I think that speaks to just how good he looks, just how good he is, how NBA-ready he is. Um, He had, I think, four steals and eight deflections against Atlanta on Monday, which is in like 20 minutes, which is insane. So, yeah, Matisse has been a stud. I do think maybe one area of concern 
again, something we all expected to a degree is the shooting. I think Derek Bodner posted a stat earlier today. The Sixers are shooting 29.8% on open three-point attempts so far. That's four feet or more of space. That'll go up at some point, I would presume, but it's still not a great number. Starting lineup hasn't been exactly stroking, um, and the bench isn't loaded with shooters either, so that's something they might have to address in the future. Um, they've obviously won despite it. They're 3-0, and so that's, that's a positive as well because, again, I think that number will go up eventually. But it, it's still something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I tend to agree with you on those points. The defense has looked locked down. Haven't really seen a defense like this, like that can choke like opponents out like this since probably the Pistons, the, the you know the early 2000 Pistons when they won the championship. Like you said, it's too early to make any proclamations, but it is it is looking it is looking like it's a legit defense there. And I with going off Matisse, yes, he he is looking every. He's definitely working, looking like the worth that trade that Elton Brand made to acquire him in the summer. Definitely seem appears to be worth it there. He, uh, you know, just the fact that he's getting time, like you said, is surprising in itself. And you know, the amount of responsibility he's getting—he's already gotten a start when uh, Embiid was out in the one game. And yeah, I don't think he played terrible in that. He still had two steals, so mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you know, yeah, it's a work in progress, but his his mm-hmm. defense is legit. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think part of this is, is just that Brown has to figure out, you know, you know, part of it is shots are going down. You're using a lot of energy on defense because they're playing hard on defense. So the offense is going to struggle a little bit. And that's fine. And for now, they're playing an Eastern Conference. Uh, they've played up, you know, two Eastern teams predicted to be in the Eastern Conference playoffs. So mm-hmm. and then, you know, one that's, you know, an up and coming team. So and trade they were able to lock down two legit like star power point guards and Trey Young and Kimball Walker. So those are all encouraging signs defensively. Uh, well, not lock them down, but slow them down. Lock down Kimba more than they locked down Trey. But Trey, yeah. they did been, been smothered Trey in the fourth quarter the other night. And uh, Trey got off to a really hard start Trey. and kind of tapered off, which was a good mm-hmm. sign. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, I, I like that Matisse and Josh Richardson are switching back and forth on defending lead point guards. I think that's a smart move. I would like to see more three-point shooting from Richardson, even though he had a good game against um, against the Hawks overall. He hasn't had a great start to the season. Mm-hmm. I think the other big takeaway, and I, me and you both kind of agree on this, why in the world is Forkon Korkmaz playing? <laughs> I mean, we get the team struggling shooting. And you know what? He had good. He had a good first game. Nobody's denying that. But the past two games, have, especially the second game, was abysmal. And obviously Brown has some, uh, you know, some love for the Turkish man. But at the same at the same time, yeah, you, you got to pull the plug. You, you, mm-hmm. you can't sack. He's just he's not. I don't. I just don't think the Sixers are the right team for him to be on. I you heard me say this before. I thought he should have gone to a rebuilding team where yeah. he's at, he has the opportunity to make these mistakes. But he's not. If he keeps on, you know, struggling like he is, he's not going to be in the rotation. For I expect, and I think me and you I both agree. agree. Once Shake Milton gets back from his injury that he uh, got from the uh, game against the Hawks. And according, I believe it was Keith Pompey that reported it of um, Philly.com that he will miss the next four games and he's going to be reevaluated after the next four road games are done. Mm-hmm. So we got to wait and see on that. But I think, yeah, I don't, 
has definitely been the last two games he's uh, had nine and ten points respectively and shot 44.4 percent from the three-point line so yeah he's he's looking much better this season i like it i think he can definitely play a role on this team if he continues to show what he's been showing once he returns healthy for sure and i've written pretty recently about furcon it, to a degree, I understand Brett's thinking and that the Sixers really do need a shooter and of the guys on the bench. Mm-hmm. of the I mean, teams might at least think of Furkan as a shooter, but, you know, going back over his career, it's his third season. He's a career 32% shooter from deep. He doesn't have the quickest release. He's not JJ and Marco who's going to fly around screens and hit these off-balance shots and DHOs. He's more of a slow spot-up guy who can kind of prod the defense with some pump fakes and dribble drives. But they really, I I said this in the article I wrote, they don't often lead to anything. He kind of just dribbles until, you know, the defense closes in and then it's a broken play. Like, he's really just not a polished all-around player at this point. He looked fine against Boston. And that got maybe a few people's hopes up a little bit too high, myself included. He's looked pretty bad the next two games. I'm on your boat. I'm on the boat. Looks better. Shake's a better defender. Shake's a better playmaker. And he's, to this point, if we factor in the G League, maybe a better shooter. There's really no reason once Shake gets back that Shake, there's really no reason to play Furkan over Shake at this point. I'm fully on board with that. There's really no reason to play Furkan while Shake is out, I think. I would rather have Neto or even Burke get those minutes. Neto looked pretty good in the few minutes he got against Detroit, so there are other options. I really yep. just don't buy Furkan at this point. He, he's had every opportunity in the world over the past few years. He's never capitalized on it. He had that one like few game stretch last year, I guess. But other than that, it's just been bad, and it, it's time to move on, I think, if you're Brett. The Sixers need to address the shooting issue. Maybe that's something they do at the deadline or in the future, but Furkan is not the answer. I don't think defenses are paying him a tremendous amount of respect either way. I, I don't think you're hurting the offense if you take him out and replace him with someone like Shake, who has been actively hitting threes lately. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I think Furkan should be done. He should be the 14th or the 15th guy on the bench. I really don't understand Brett's determination to play him at this point. It, it just doesn't quite register with me. Oh, no, I, I tend to agree. And honestly, I right now I see Maz as the most most likely to be that should be traded. I don't know if he will be traded, but I think he should be traded. Um, going back to your point, I like I you know I don't know I'm a big Burke fan and maybe I'm just I'm more of a, a numbers guy than I am because I know that you know sometimes the offense breaks down when he dribbles the ball too much. He can dribble the air out of the ball. I get that, but him and Neto both seem like better options. And and mm-hmm. I've written about this recently, how I think that right now playing Richardson as the backup point guard is a bad idea. I mean, is it bad in the fact that it gets winning results? No, but it's hurting his overall stat use, you know, his percentages, because we can see that his turnover rate is the highest of his career thus far. You know, it's not, it's not a good look for him. I, I do think you can maybe attribute some of that to just the lack of spacing and the fact that it's a fairly new group. So that's always going to take time. I, I don't, again, we talked about this earlier. I don't view Burke or Neto as someone that you particularly want playing in the postseason. So I understand mm-hmm. Brett looking at other options now. I think that's cool. That's something he hasn't really done in the past where he's tinkered with different lineups and kind of been that bullish. Uh, you know, we've seen him play TJ consistently for the past few seasons when TJ definitely should not have been playing consistently. So I think that's kind of a fresh change of pace for him not to rely on a really small point guard. But yeah. yeah. 
I think Shake can help take some of that load. I don't think Shake's a point guard, but he can play make. He's a really smart passer, has some pick and roll utility. I think Shake makes a lot of sense there. Um, he has looked really good these past few games, as you said, which has been pleasant because he didn't look that great over the summer. Yeah, taking the past few games into account, his G League performance last year, Shake seems like someone who's legit. Obviously, Brett trusts him more than Zaire and some of the other young guys at this point. I think we see a pretty steady dosage of Shake once he gets back. I, I, I tend to agree. And just go, I, I, I don't mind Brett playing Richardson occasionally at the point guard, but doing it full time, I, I have concerns about durability because right now Richardson's high averaging a career. I Well, before last night's game, I have to recheck the stats, but he was averaging about 35 minutes per game, which was a career high for him. And granted, he is in the prime of his career, but you don't want to wear him down, especially having two separate roles for the, you know, two mm-hmm. big different roles for the whole entire season. And like I said, like you said, it's early, and I understand testing out what what Richardson at the point guard would look like, but uh, you know, you don't want to do it yeah. for a whole game because I I feel like Neto, you know, he's more traditional. I'm not huge on Neto's health, as you know, but. I think that he can definitely run the second unit, even if he's a liability defensively, which we know that he is comparatively to like Richardson or Fable. But there are more than enough defenders in the second unit that are more than capable of covering up any mistake Neto makes. Yeah, so. I agree. And I, I think one that might be an area the Sixers um, try to address in the future. We talked about adding shooters, but I wouldn't be surprised if they made a move for a, a more solid backup point guard just so they can take that load off of Richardson. Mm-hmm. Um, minutes are always going to be kind of an issue. Obviously, the bench, it's deeper this season than it has been in the past. The big thanks to Matisse for that, but um, it's still not the best bench, at least among mm-hmm. defenders. Brett's going to need to rely on the starters. It helps to be able to stagger the rotations, but guys like Richardson and Tobias and Ben, the younger guys that aren't Joe, mm-hmm. they're going to get pretty high minutes. That's just how Brett works. Mm-hmm. Brett, of course, I think we should expect those numbers to stay pretty consistent. But yeah, I think a backup point guard is definitely something they might look to add in the future. They have mm-hmm. a couple of trade chips. Um, Mike Scott's contract is around that $5 million mark. You can throw him in there. Um, you know, future second round picks, stuff like that. They have I don't some, see them trading Scott. Yeah, I'm, it, it, I, I think Scott has really kind of worked himself into a comfortable niche. Obviously, the fans like him a lot, but he's... Yes, on the other hand, I could I see that. I think Matisse, Ennis are obviously the more important bench pieces at this point. They're the first two off the bench every game. Scott's been more of the eighth or ninth guy. You know, if they can get a solid backup point guard who helps the team win, I don't think they're adverse to trading him. I don't think he's important enough to say they won't trade him. So I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't count it out as a possibility. Fair enough. I, I, I reserve the idea that Ennis would probably be more I just I haven't been in love with Ennis's game thus far this season, but there's always time That's for fair. Yeah. But yeah. moving on, let's go ahead and move on. Let's preview the Timberwolves game. Because this is kind of a big game for the Sixers coming up because Timberwolves, like the Hawks, before this, you know, this past matchup, matchup are 0-3. And Andrew Wiggins is starting to look like a for, uh, former number one overall pick again. He mm-hmm. carried the Timberwolves in their last game. Looked spectacular. I, I, I'm loving what I'm seeing from Wiggins. And Carl Anthony Towns is looking like, an, you know, way too early to say still. But, you know, he's he could be in the conversation for MVP if he keeps up this pace and the Timberwolves are in a playoff contention spot or in the playoff, you know, in one of the eight, top eight seasons. So we have that. 
And also, there's Robert Covington. He's starting at power forward for the Timberwolves this year. So there's a lot to, you know, there, there's a lot of different angles to look at this matchup from. It's going to be an interesting one. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, go ahead. Think, yeah. Uh, I definitely think this is, I mean, admitting the Boston game, because obviously there's a rivalry there and there's some bad blood from the past few seasons. This is probably the most interesting matchup to date just because of how good Minnesota has looked. I'm not sure if I would totally buy them as for sure playoff contenders this year yet, but Fair Towns enough. looks like he's taking another leap. I think that's legit. I think Towns is a really solid prospect. His defense is getting better. It has gotten better gradually over time, and his offense is obviously ridiculous. He's adding more as a playmaker. He can shoot, score at all three levels, face up off the bounce. He does it all. He's really talented. He's going to be really good. Towns is legit on the verge of being a solid lock top 20 player he's like mm-hmm. towns alone could get them to that level i don't buy wiggins at all i know he had one good game i still don't buy it uh we'll see if he continues it you know <laughs> i still i don't buy it but Man, that's that's roko harsh <laughs> roko is, is a legit top 60 guy in the league you know defensive player of the year kind of guy He's obviously going to help a lot. They missed him last year after he got hurt. Uh, I still like Jeff Teague. You know, they got a really solid group. I th- from what I've read, they put a lot of stock into building chemistry this summer, and I think it's paying off. The bench has a pretty solid group of guys with Bonley and Culver, etc. I-, I like the group a lot. They're definitely an eighth seed contender. I'm not sure if they get there, but again, 3-0. Both groups look good. I think it'll be an exciting matchup. I would still predict Philadelphia as the winner just based on the Sixers have a few matchup advantages. I think Embiid is one of those guys who can shut down Towns as well as Horford. You know, they're pretty well equipped to defend him, but we shall see. I think it'll be a fun matchup. Yeah, I tend to agree that I think the Sixers come on out on top of this because you got the perimeter players and Simmons. Simmons will probably end up guarding Wiggins, and they played against each other this past summer during pickup games. So I expect Simmons to probably have a pretty good edge against Wiggins just based off of, you know, Simmons is a lot more built and physical yeah. than Wiggins. And then, like you said, Embiid can cause problems for uh, Cat on both sides. Horford. Roko, he might go off for a three-point shooting frenzy if Horford doesn't close out on him or whoever's playing the power forward. Mm-hmm. But that's probably the only advantage that they have, and I'm not too worried about that. Because you, if you can shut down both Cat and – well, slow down significantly both Cat and Wiggins, they're not going to win. And yeah, I think that happens. So who gets uh, more deflections, Roko or Matisse? Oh man, don't do that to me. Um, I'm going to say probably Roko because this is probably a revenge game for him. Fair. He's probably yeah. gonna get more minutes too. But yeah. again, yeah, he's, he's at eight and twenty the other night, so you never know. Man, Matisse is just crazy. But yeah, no, I, I'm gonna give it to Roko because I feel like this is a revenge game. Definitely. Yeah. Um, okay, so moving on from the Sixers, Chris, tell me uh, about. Three to five things that's really kind of surprised, like caught your eye early this season in the NBA. Okay. I guess number one, since I've had the pleasure of watching a good bit of Atlanta basketball this year, Trey looks pretty freaking good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Trey, I, 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 I don't buy like the top ten MVP stuff. I don't think he's gonna get there. I don't think the Hawks are gonna be good enough for him to get there. But he looks like a very real All Star candidate, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, he's obviously has a huge role in that Hawks offense. They're still a really young group, who, and they need him to do a lot, and he's been doing it really well so far. If his efficiency is up, he's going to average like 20 and 10. You know, 20 plus, 10 plus is not impossible. 
He's maybe the most gifted passer in the league already, which is, uh-huh. you know, he's legit. Um, the Hawks, I don't know if they make the playoffs, but they're going to be there. It's the East. And Trey looks, Trey just looks insane. I think that's been one big takeaway for me. Also, I think the Mavericks might be better than we expected, just because of how dynamic that Luka and KP duo is. There's a lot of versatility and flexibility there. Obviously, KP can shoot from well past the three-point line, and he's 7'3". He can do all that stuff off the dribble that we've seen in New York. He's getting back into shape, and he, he, he looks good. And Luka's probably going to take another step himself. Luka's on the verge of being a top-20 guy already. He's He was close last season. So I think Dallas might be better than even I expected coming into the season. Uh, the rookie class looks great. Zion, once he gets back, is going to be a stud. RJ looks like a stud. Jaw looks like a stud. He had that game-saving block on the Kyrie shot the other night. Memphis won that game in overtime. Kendrick Nunn in Miami. PJ Washington in Charlotte. Tyler Hero in Miami, etc., etc. A lot of guys have looked good. Matisse, uh, there's been a lot of positives with this draft class. I don't think it's a class a lot of people were particularly high on, so I think that has been a real pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I like your points. I really do. I like them, I, especially about the rookie class. Kendrick Nunn literally came out of nowhere. I was actually debating whether or not to pick him up in our fantasy league today. Me um, too. I, I picked up Mike Conley because someone dropped him and, you know, name recognition. And I'm, I'm hoping that he'll turn it around. But mm-hmm. he hasn't looked very good. I, I was considering it. I, I'm considering it too because uh, Buddy Heal, speaking of name recognition, only I get him 14 fantasy points a game. Which yeah. brings me to my uh, my I'll first point buddy. that's kind of, you want buddy? Well, we'll talk yeah, later. Man, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, going to my first thing that surprised me is the Sacramento Kings, actually. Mm-hmm. They not- have struggled under Luke Walden. I thought the firing of Dave Yeager was a little bit premature. I thought, I know that he's had problems what. with the front office. Yeah. So I, I knew that he had problems with the front office, but still, he definitely showed growth and development. And Luke yeah. Walden has not been able to, you know, pick up where he left off. The, I, I get the, the feeling that that was more of a front office problem than a Dave Yeager problem. It, it sounds like it, like it looks like it. Yeah. I expect Dave Yeager to get another job. Uh, it, it has Luke to happen. Walden was not good in L.A. Like the Lakers were notoriously bad at maximizing talent. We saw that with Lonzo and. Ingram and Hart. He was not a good coach in LA. Like he did not yeah. do a good job there. I really yes. and he's not doing a good job in Sacramento. They've taken a very clear step back. Mm-hmm. And uh, going on, yeah, go, bringing on. You brought up Brandon Ingram. Has looked like he's been the second overall pick. He's looking like he's averaging what, around twenty-seven a game right now. That's that's yeah. ridiculous. And then mm-hmm. Lonzo's averaging, I think, thirteen and seven or thirteen and eight. Not bad um, for sure. So, yeah, no, those guys in New Orleans have surprised me, even though their record hasn't surprised me because I thought they would struggle, especially without Zion. But yeah. another team that has surprised me record-wise, the Phoenix Suns. Ooh, Phoenix Suns, man. If it, DeAndre Aiden did not get suspended. Yeah, man, that was rough. I, and I was surprised for how many games, too. That Yeah. I, yeah, that was that seemed a little bit overkill. Obviously, but, you don't have the full context, but that was that was a pretty brutal penalty. Yeah, because let me tell you something. The Suns were, look, they pushed, who was it, Denver to really yeah. close. Games. and they beat L.A. They beat L.A. They looked really good against really good teams. They, have a, they actually have a nice young core. Ricky yeah, Rubio's leading the way. Cool. Javon Carter's been stud defensively. 
you know, you you take, you know, Kelly Oubre, Dario Sarks, former Sixer, mm. you know, and I'm just I'm liking what they got. I, I think Monty Williams has definitely installed a new culture there that hasn't yeah. been there since, you know, Steve Nash. It's it's looking like an actual team that's on the up and up. And I'm not especially with uh, Aiden suspended now. They're probably not going to make the playoffs. Let me tell you something. If he wasn't, they might have been my dark horse. Yeah. Yeah, I think Rubio was a really underrated get. Obviously, he has his limitations and his ceiling as a player, but the amount of pressure that he takes off of Booker and Aiton when he's healthy, I think that was a pretty big get. Ubre has been really great since he got there. I think Baines is a really solid, underrated player. From what I've seen, Mikael Bridges has looked pretty good. So they got a really nice group there. I, I don't I think they probably come back down to earth at some point. Like I'm not sure I'd put them anywhere near the playoffs in the West at all, but but they do have a much brighter outlook now than they did last season, I think. I think that's a fair statement to make because they they do look solid. I'm just impressed, but I'm glad that Monty Williams is coaching and I'm glad that he's coaching the Suns cuz they are looking very nice. Um, those are my big takeaways, I guess I would say, for the season. Um, Dwight Howard, I guess, would be one other minor one because he's thriving in L.A. Who would have thought that? Yeah, he's looked good. I like. I He's going to allow Anthony Davis to play what he wants to play at the four a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm, I'm not sold on the Lakers being a, I don't think they're going to make the finals. I don't. I don't. But I, I think I don't think so. Uh, I don't, but I think they're going to be a fun team in the West for sure. Yeah, I mean, any team with LeBron, AD, and a few shooters is going to be fun to watch. Um, mm-hmm. I think LeBron has picked it up after that kind of ugly first game. He's still LeBron. Mm-hmm. I had him as the best player in the league going into the season. Ka- Kawhi might might be making a push for that at this point. But yeah, Kawhi and Steph. Steph has looked pretty iffy too. I think that's more the product of his situation though than anything that's on him. But yeah, I definitely had Kawhi as the best player. Anyone with LeBron and AD has a chance, but I think the Clippers are pretty strong favorites in the West right now. They're definitely my favorites. Paul George gets back. Well, let's talk about that real quick, Chris. Uh, You know, it's a little bit early in the season, but let's say, for example, both the Sixers and the Clippers get to the finals. Yeah. I don't don't like that matchup for the Sixers. As much as I like the Sixers, I don't like that matchup because they can play small, and I think they're going to run the combination of Embiid and Horford off. As well as Horford's good at perimeter, either Kawhi or Paul. I think you could inverse that and say, at the moment, L.A. doesn't really have anyone to guard Embiid, and I think the Sixers might give them a lot of trouble with how big they are. It'll be an interesting matchup. I think that will be one of the best finals that we've seen in a couple years. Yeah, I would still pick the Clippers because of Kawhi. Yeah, he kind of, he (laughs) definitely, uh... Much as that might sting, I think the Clippers are probably the favorites right now. But that'd be a really fun matchup. I think the Sixers have a real chance this year, especially if they add a shooter or a more solid backup point guard, as we talked about earlier. If they can add one more really solid bench piece, the Sixers are locked and loaded for the East. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still think they don't need that don't. to get to the NBA Finals. He's there. Hmm? I don't think they need another shooter or you know point guard to get to the oh, NBA yeah. Finals. No, I don't trust. I think this I roster, don't. as currently constructed, would have a very solid chance too. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I I don't trust the Bucks. I don't think the Bucks have enough to beat us right now. Even cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, Giannis is a better passer this year. I'm not denying that, but his outside shot mm-hmm. isn't where it needs to be in order for him to make it hard, you know, difficult for us to guard him. Cause we have two out of three best players in the play- league to guard him and Embiid and Horford and the third best is Kawhi, but he's in the West. So yeah, I, th- I think, I, I think we have 
a really good chance of beating them in a seven game series. I thought we had that last year. Yeah. I thought if we made it past Toronto, we would we would get to the NBA Finals. I think I think that's probably that's very like that's a very good yeah yeah very possibly for sure. I don't really trust the Bucks either. I I don't want to say they don't have a chance or anything because they do. Obviously, Giannis is ridiculous. But uh, the Sixers were my preseason pick, uh, as pessimistic as I tend to be. If they're healthy, I think Philly has it. I think Philly is East. I agree. Uh, I think Miami's been a surprise thus far, uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, Without I Jim. think without Jimmy, yeah. I think Miami might be a bigger threat than what we initially thought because yeah. Justice Winslow has looked fantastic. Kendrick Nunn as we've and Tyler Hero as we noted. Kind of confused about them starting Myers Leonard, but you know what? If yeah. it works for them, <laughs> if mean, it works. Once James Johnson is back and ready to go, I would assume he takes that spot again. But it's been kind of a weird situation with him. Um, Kelly Olynyk would be another reasonable option, but you I know, guess they're putting. I, I see. I th- I, if I'm guessing what. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say if I'm guessing what Eric Spolstra is doing in Miami, they're probably just using Myers as a place setter because he wants to get the other rotational bigs in their normal rotations now so yeah. that whenever that Johnson comes sense. back. That's what I would do as a coach if I'm yeah. missing one of my mains. That's a totally reasonable approach. Um, yeah, I think Hero is a big piece for them because they need the shooting. Winslow has always been a really intriguing prospect. He took a big leap last year, and it looks like he's prepared to get even, even better this year. Um, none has been insane. He already knocked Dragic out of the starting spot, and, you know, he was an undrafted rookie the other year. I mean, it's mm-hmm. been kind of insane. He just he really did come out of nowhere from the summer league team. Um, so props to him. I think Jimmy... I'm still a believer in Jimmy. I know he wasn't the greatest in the regular season last year. He has a he has himself. And part of that was conservation. But even I still think he was better than a lot of people gave him credit for. I think he's going to be better in a bigger role too. Um, the Heat are obviously going to rely on him for a good bit. But but yeah, I think the Heat are really good. I had them as the sixth seed in my preseason predictions with like 46 wins. I think that's a pretty fair range for them. I see them more as a fourth seed at this point because I don't trust Brooklyn. It's possible. I I don't trust Brooklyn. I had Brooklyn as the three seed. Uh, It's too early for me to, like, move totally off that. It's only been three games. I'm a big Kyrie guy. I think they're better than they were last year. I just don't trust Kyrie. I think he's going to destroy the chemistry there. I, I do. Think and this, this isn't about him as a basketball dope. player. I just, yeah. over a season, well, we saw what happened in Boston. I think we saw what happened. Boston, Toronto, and Miami are all kind of in a pool together. Like, it's really hard to separate those guys at this point. You could argue that Indiana was up there, but they've looked pretty bad. I always had, I was always a bit lower on Indiana. I had them as the seventh seed, and I'm... You know, with 44 wins, I think. And even that was a bit... I had to talk myself into giving them, like, 44. And they haven't looked very good. Indiana misses the playoffs without Victor Oladipo? I I mean, it depends on when he gets back, I guess. I do think he's going to help solve a lot of problems. But he's also coming off a pretty severe knee injury. I don't know if we can expect him to just come back and be the Victor Oladipo that we remember from a year and a half ago. So, you know, who knows? Um, They have a very real... It's not impossible for them to miss the playoffs. They have a very flawed roster. Uh, the Turner-Sabonis combination, as talented as those two are, is a, a, kind of an awkward fit. Brogdon has looked good. Like, individually, he's looked good, but he's not really the main point guard or someone you'd want being the lead playmaker on a contender. TJ Warren hasn't looked great, you know, so they, they got some stuff to iron out. I think that Sabonis is probably the one out if they if they disillusioned that, that union, which 
honestly, I was kind of surprised that they gave him what they gave him. Yeah. I didn't think the combo would work. I mean, he, he, I, as an individual, I think the money's fair. I think that's a fair value for how good he is. He's just a weird fit as a starter next to Miles. Yeah. Uh, I I could see. Let me say this: If Boston gets a legit center, then I start worrying about Boston. Yeah, no, I I'm I wouldn't like count Boston out now. No, I don't think they're going to beat Philly as they are now. Like I don't think they're a threat to the Sixers, but I think they have a chance to be a, a really good team, especially if Hayward continues to look as good as he has looked at least the first Tatum, couple games. Tatum's starting to look like Andrew Wiggins when it comes to inefficient scoring. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I wouldn't go that far yet, but. Tatum definitely needs to maybe pick it up a bit. Or just not shoot as much, you know, make take yeah. higher percentage shots. Yeah, that's, more passing. That's what I would yeah, more more I think I saw a stat that he's finishing something like 38% at the rim, which is pretty awful. You know, you got to be better there. And I think he will get better because he has the size and the finesse to be better. That might just be kind of a, a slow start for him. So we'll see. I'm, I would still be much higher on Tatum than Wiggins at this point. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't stoop that low yet. <laughs> but yeah, Tatum has shown some pretty worrisome signs. Okay, so I have a question for you. If Boston trades for, let's like, say, Sabonis or Steven Adams, you know, center out on the market, or maybe even mm-hmm. Hashim Whiteside when uh, when Joseph uh, Nurkic comes back from Portland. Yeah. Do you think that they become a uh, legit threat to the Celtics? I mean, not to the Celtics, to the Sixers, my mistake, sorry. They they might, I would say they're probably at that point the biggest threat outside of Milwaukee in the East. That's fair. Because right I now I see Miami as Philly, Milwaukee, second biggest interest. in the East. Yeah. Right now, I yeah, I, I, threats-wise, it's the, ball, it's the Bucks first, and then I have the Heat. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. Mm. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. All right, well, Chris, guess what? I, I think we've... We definitely had a great conversation about the Sixers as well as the NBA in general. A lot of exciting things, a lot of couple of things to talk about. We'll definitely talk afterwards about a Mike Conley trade. Uh, I might even be willing to trade you Buddy Heel for Mike Conley. We'll talk about it, though. Um, but uh, how about you go ahead and uh, wrap this up for us, Chris? Yeah, thanks again, guys, for listening. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at SixersSense. You can follow Lucas at LucasJohnsonNBA. And you can follow me at KleinNBA, K-L-I-N-E-NBA. You can download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spreaker, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back soon. Thanks, guys. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.